Welcome to the Etobicoke Historical Society's monthly oral history podcast. This podcast is one of a series of interviews of senior Etobicoke residents in the 1980s. The interview tapes were recently discovered in the local history room at Richview Public Library. We would like to thank the Toronto Public Library for giving them back to us so they could be made into these podcasts. These oral histories are a valuable and unique view into the history of Etobicoke in the early part of the 20th century, as seen through the personal experiences of local residents. We will be presenting a different interview each month. We hope you enjoy them. Today is Tuesday, July 20th, and I'm talking to Richard Baxter, who was the tax collector and tax success assessor for the town of New Toronto. Now, uh, Mr. Baxter, your father, when you first came out to New Toronto, your father was a builder, now um, a home builder. Who did he build his first houses for? Pick it up there. Uh, as, as you as, um, indicated, my uh, dad uh, was in the building trade, a uh, uh, builder and contractor, and he came uh, out to New Toronto uh, from the east end of the city uh, to work, uh, to build houses for uh, J.F. Brown, uh, the, uh, the, the foundry, the brass foundry, which was a forerunner, which was a pre predecessor to uh, the Anaconda. Uh, this would be in 19, uh, around 1916. And the houses were built up on Sixth uh, Street, and it was to uh, house uh, the workers, I guess, that uh, uh, he needed, uh, as uh, probably the business increased due to the first war. Uh, then, uh, following uh, the uh, peace in uh, in 1918, uh, the town of New Toronto had decided to go, to get involved in the Ontario housing uh, plan and they formed the uh, uh, New Toronto Housing Commission and my father got the contract to build uh, 42 houses on 8th Street and uh, these, these uh, houses were uh, uh, completed Generally, I think by the end of 19, by, by the beginning of 1920, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, they were sold at that time for less than four thousand dollars, and I think they carried about for less than uh, thirty dollars a month. Now, how would uh, what sort of construction methods would your father use in building these houses? Well. Of course, I, I'm, uh, I was born in 1915. I don't know all the details, but I know that they, they, uh, he had a shop at the, at the head of, uh, at, at the corner of eight, northwest corner of 8th Street, where, which was later on the headquarters of the New Toronto Pub Utilities. I think it's occupied now by a credit union and a lawyer. But he had uh, This would be 8th Street and... In, in Lake 8th Shore. Street and Lakeshore, yeah. And uh, he had... Uh, machine, I think they call it an Elliott uh, woodworking machine, and uh, they they kind of introduce uh, some uh, 
uh, multiple purpose building and I think I, I know that I, I'm sure they made their own uh, uh, window frames so they sort of uh, started he started sort of the mass production uh, yeah I think so yeah and uh, uh, I, I uh, th there was a siding on this uh, uh, railroad siding and whether the, uh, I think some of the uh, equipment was brought in that way mm -hmm. and are these houses are these houses still standing these houses are still standing and some of the original owners are still there actually yeah. how much would they be going for now do you know well I, I think they're in the between uh, fifty and sixty thousand dollars now mind you that a lot of them have been renovated many times over but they they formed a, uh, a nucleus of uh, there were houses in in New Toronto before then but it, it put an, a, a real impulse a, a real input of uh, people uh, and the, the street was uh, extra wide so it made a nice made a nicely setting now is this is this how you got interested in uh, in assessing build, uh, buildings the, through your father's construction company or well, I don't know about about that, but uh, I uh, I started to work. Uh, 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 I don't. I uh, started to work in the town hall uh, uh, in July of 1930. The uh, uh, the uh, clerk of the municipality at that time was a man named uh, Millard, W. H. C. Millard, and. He lived uh, next door to us, actually, and uh, I was on summer uh, summer holiday from high school, and uh, he uh, came home, came along one day, I think it was a Friday, and he said, Dick, he said, if you want to uh, come in the office this afternoon, he said, I think we can find something for you to do. And uh, uh, at the at that point, I, I worked uh, half-time in, the, uh, in the, his office, in the clerk's office, and then half time in the uh, in the police office. Now, and, uh, what would you be doing? Oh, I was a, I guess I was a, 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 a office boy, and oh, did some typing and and uh, but at that and the the, the, uh, the chief of police at that time was a man named uh, Headley Paget. So I got to, it was quite a quite an experience for. Uh, a young fellow, I guess, of 15. The uh, I remember old Mr. Millard. He'd been a he'd been in the South African War, and uh, he uh, first day I was there, he said, uh, first you know early in the time, he said, Dick, he said you'll do all right in this business. He he said if you follow this advice, and he had a an owl on the uh, picture of an owl on the wall, and the and the thing on, underneath the owl said uh, uh, the um, the wise old owl he sat on a tree the 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 more he the more he heard the less he spoke and the less he spoke uh, uh, the more he heard and wasn't he a wise old bird <laughs> I gather you followed that uh, advice well I, I think it was pretty good advice for anybody in the uh, in the in the public service because uh, you get to know things uh, perhaps that uh, uh, that uh, not not but that you might not find out in the in the private in the ordinary business life and uh, some of those things that uh, you just uh, to keep them in, in your in your own uh, 
not to give give out to confidences that you might fall heir to. So, uh, <clears throat> did you have any training in high school for this uh, this job? Or? No, not really. I was in a, a general course, but I never went back to school because, uh, as you can, uh, you know, the depression was uh, uh, underway and. Uh, uh, things as far as the uh, at home I mean as far as the building the, the as usual the, the building industry was one of the first things hit by the depression so your dad wasn't doing all that well at that point then no at that point and uh, so I uh, to have a job and have a, a steady job well that was something so when did you start working for the uh, assessment office well during the uh, I, I got involved. Uh, the the assessor was uh, the assessor and tax collector was a, a man named Scott George Scott, and I worked with uh, with him in the uh, more particularly in the the tax end of it, and uh, then uh, from time to time I'd I'd help him uh, with the assessment work, and as you can as you you. The, the staff uh, was only about uh, I guess there was only about uh, four or five in the in the office and uh, like most small offices people you did a variety of things if somebody got work you got busy and you helped with but it was a good you got you got involved to all all areas of it. now when, when did you become uh, uh, chief assessor or well n not until uh, th that that was after the uh, the, the, in uh, in 19 uh, see New Toronto in uh, like many of the municipalities in in Ontario and more particularly those in in uh, uh, Metro uh, in Metro Toronto first of all they stopped paying the uh, interest on their bonds and then they finally stopped paying uh, the uh, principal you see and they become under uh, uh, they came under uh, uh, provincial control, but uh, the uh, uh, by the and by 19 uh, or by the middle, I guess by 1935, I think Mr. Mr. Millard had retired, and uh, the, the the fellow that had been treasurer, uh, Curtis, he. He moved on, and uh, uh, so uh, 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 Mr. Longstaff, Frank Frank R. Longstaff, he was made uh, clerk treasurer, and he came out of private business, but he was a, a very uh, very astute businessman, and uh, he uh, introduced some. Uh, uh, Time-saving things. They, they, uh, uh, New Toronto is one of the first places to have a systemized uh, uh, method of collecting taxes. They had a, a tax billing and tax receiving machine. It's similar, I guess, to what they use in a, a hotels now. But it was the first attempt the, uh, uh, on this uh, mechanical billing, uh, and. Uh, they got they got things uh, with some tight budgeting and uh, they they refinanced their debt and by uh, 
well, by the end of the 30s, they're on their way to, to get them sorted out. Well, then the, 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 the war came along, and uh, the, uh, and I was in the service for oh, about 15 months. And while I was there, the, uh, the, uh, and after the war had ended in uh, Europe, uh, uh, George Scott, who was the assessor, he had a heart attack, and uh, uh, they, the, I was working, had an office job in the army, so they uh, made uh, overtures, and I, uh, and uh, I, I came back, and uh, I was made the assessor and tax collector, and then later on as uh, Later on, was made the assessment commissioner. Now, wait. What what time were you in the army? What what dates? That would be from. Uh, I think it was from uh, February. Uh, for forty-four until uh, until June of uh, forty-five. The war was over, and as I said, the war was over. And, uh, and you say you had an office job in the army. What exactly? Well, at that point, I, I'd, I'd been. I, I was in. Uh, I was at Halifax with the artillery, but then I'd been transferred to Ottawa, and I was in the in the uh, pay corps. And uh, so that's uh, that's what I. Uh, that's that was from Ottawa that I came back to. The now. Uh, how, how would you go about assessing a piece of property or a house exactly? What would you do? Well, you, you, first of all, I mean, you'd have to uh, you'd make sure you had all the land assessed, you know. I mean, you, you, you have records, uh, tax, tax maps and things like that to, uh, to make sure that you're not missing any of the, 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 of the land itself and then go about uh, uh, and then you go about get, getting the improvement, which so is. So you would take, say, a house, and it costs, say, three thousand dollars to build, and they added on another over a period of years two thousand dollars worth of renovations, say, a, a new porch, a new garage. So that would be based on the cost of building what? building it, or was it? Uh, not, I mean, you can you can spend uh, you know you can spend a lot of money on on an improvement and really not added to the not add to the real value of it. That uh, uh, but no, we used to measure measure the house, and then you'd put it in a class. You know, I mean, it was either frame or it was uh, brick brick veneer or brick solid brick, and then the, the uh, uh, you take into account the uh, the number of. Uh, Bathrooms it might be, and the uh, the heating, you know that, that is well in those in those days they were pretty much uh, uh, hot air heating, and, uh, and then uh, uh, some uh, some would be into uh, hot hot water heating. At that in the in the middle 30s they hadn't really got into uh, uh, so-called uh, they call it air conditioning. Really, it was uh, for So yeah, they, before they got into uh, uh, forced air, but those things, uh, yeah, basically, is is things that 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 uh, add value. That that's that in the, in somebody that's going to buy it is going to recognize it. You know, that uh, a lot of it's. Uh, 
you can uh, you can spend a lot of money on a on a uh, rec room or something like that, and it uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the dollar for dollar back. How about industry? Uh, there was a fair amount of industry in New Toronto. Yes, I'm glad you, you we talked about that because uh, uh, New Toronto had always had a uh, nucleus of industry going back, uh, you know, back to the early 1900s. Apparently, there was a wallpaper factory there. I think it was called Menzies, and there was a, a tannery, <laughs> and also the uh, the uh, brass mill, the uh, J. F. Brown outfit, <laughs> and then. Uh, uh, can, I'm going to get a drink. Yeah, sure. 1916. Good year. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, they they had an operation in Bowmanville. You know, whether I'm not sure whether they made tires there, but they made ru rubber uh, uh, heels and, and uh, items like that. But I think the, the, the tire building started in, in, in New Toronto. And uh, one of the things I apparently that attracted uh, Goodyear to New Toronto was the fact that the town fathers were far enough sighted that they uh, had contracted, or maybe it was in place, had got a, uh, a, a water, a water uh, system. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that industry must have is a, a, a good supply of water and uh, it's got to be re relatively cheap. So Goodyear came in uh, 1916, and of course everybody knows the, the, the way it's ex it, it expanded and became the uh, one of the, I guess, the foremost uh, industry in town. And uh, Goodyear were always good corporate citizens. I mean, they, they helped the the town in, in many respects and uh, they also put in a direct uh, line of uh, they, they got raw water which they used in the uh, uh, tire production well then uh, uh, that they, they were uh, the, the next in, influx uh, of, of industry was the, uh, in 1930, a big industry anyways, was the Campbell Soup Company came. And uh, whether, whether I'm right on this or not, I think that what they were attracted to, uh, in those days, of what they call the empire preference on, uh, on tariffs, you know, and it meant that they could produce the uh, uh, soup, or their product in Ontario and then ship it to England. I mean, they also serve the Canadian market, but uh, it uh, that uh, that was one of the attractions, and uh, uh, that may, and uh, and in, in those days that was uh, uh, quite a plum because uh, uh, the uh, with the, the employment situation the way it was, it was it, it sure it sure helped. Well, then Gilby's came in, uh, in 1932. Uh, this is the uh, distillery. The distillery, W&A Gilby Limited. 
and originally they just made uh, they were just uh, made gin there but then as you know they of course the liquor laws got relaxed and uh, they uh, they uh, branched into uh, other distillery operations now uh, the were these out uh, different companies offered uh, tax advantages to for yeah. locating there yeah Goodyear had a what they, what they call a fixed assessment uh, for general purposes it didn't apply on the school and uh, uh, they had a long-term one I think from when went through to the middle 30s uh, <coughs> uh, Campbell soup had one but it was much uh, it, at that time I think there was some uh, the province had put some restriction in you couldn't uh, you couldn't give those long-term advantages did you ever have a you or the, the treasurer have any arguments with the council on this uh, giving uh, long-term tax breaks? Uh, no, because I wasn't really involved with that. You know, I was just a junior. Uh, I think there was uh, arguments. Uh, you know, at the time they were granted. Actually, they had to. They were voted on. Those those they just couldn't be handed out bolus bolus. You know, they had they came up in the. Yeah, well, there were annual elections those in those times. Then in 30, 1936, uh, a Continental Can located in uh, New Toronto. Yeah, that's a kind of a uh, strange set of circumstances. A lot of a lot of people thought that uh, the uh, Continental Can. Uh, Located next door to Campbell's Soup to supply uh, the the tin cans, but actually uh, Campbell's Soup bought their cans from the opposition. And uh, while the uh, while the the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Continental got the uh, steam, they didn't have a steam plant. They got the steam from uh, from uh, Campbell's Soup, but they. Their operation produced it. Lots of that, but you know, that was a byproduct. And uh, well, there were uh, sm smaller plants came along after that, but they were they were really the the uh, the main the main ones. The uh, the uh, during the first war, they uh, it was uh, the it was originally called DuPonts, uh, and then later on the uh, uh, Canadian Industry Limited, the Fabricoid Division. Now it's, uh, I believe it's uh, it was Stouffer's, and I think it even has another name now. now. How often would you do a complete assessment of every every building? Well, theoretically, it's done every year, but I mean, it really was physically impossible to do that. But uh, the uh, uh, each year is a new assessment, and uh, but what you what you did, I mean, there was uh, you picked up the new construction and uh, uh, renovations, and uh, it was from time to time that the land divided and might have been in acreage. And then now, uh, did the um, did the uh, council, uh, the politicians in New Toronto, did they ever interfere with your job? Or tell you what to do, or 
No, I, I must say I mean, I had very little interference from the uh, from the elected people. One of the it seems to be one of the strengths of the of the uh, municipal system is where you're not on party lines. I mean that uh, you know you, you and I can be on the one side on a subject uh, on, on a on a question this week and next meeting we're on we're on opposite sides. I mean they don't they don't. They really don't vote in in, in blocks, and, uh, and not like you run up to in, in political and federal politics. And uh, the uh, I yeah I, I, I as an assessor or as anybody, I don't think you, 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 the 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 the, the uh, elected people have a, a job to do and. Uh, and uh, the uh, so do the uh, the paid help, and the, the my theory, and it was was always that uh, I mean you're bound to like uh, like some uh, uh, council members better than others, but I mean you, the 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 thing is not to try to play uh, favorites. I mean, if you start trying to run with uh, 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 the staff, you get into it seems to me you get into difficulty if you start trying to run with one one uh, set of councillors or one set of uh, politicians against another, and uh, they'll wind up. But I mean, if you if you know your job and uh, the uh, and your uh, and you tell a, it, I mean, they tell the same story to uh, to to. To both sides, don't try to feed information to one side as opposed to the other. That's when you, that's when you run into the difficulties. But did that happen off? Did that happen at all uh, with uh, some of the staff members? Well, I mean, you don't want to judge somebody else, but I, I think the one, the one, perhaps ones that did get into difficulty, I think that's what had happened. Uh, we were fortunate in uh, this uh, 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 Frank Longstaff, who was the uh, he knew his job and. Uh, and, and that makes it uh, that whoever, uh, if you if you're working for in a, in an office where the fellow's not afraid of the job, knows what he's doing, and uh, but if somebody's uh, over their heads, that's when they get into difficulty. Now, um, you go into a, assess a place. Often you would have to uh, up the the mill rate, or you know. You uh, know. They, well. The, the assessment, you mean? Yeah, the assessment. Yeah, yeah. Now, did anyone give you trouble over that, having to pay more taxes? Oh, well, I, I yeah. They, of course, they had the. Uh, if they didn't like the new assessment, they could always appeal it, and then it would be up to the the court to decide whether we we were the assessor was right or they they were right. Or did anyone sort of give you trouble and say you had to enter a home to give an assessment? Would they give you trouble at the door and say, no, no, no changes here? Oh, yes, yeah. Or the, uh, uh, that was one advantage, of, I suppose, in a, in a small town was the fact that people got to know who you were and uh, there was no problem of identification like there is now, you know, like the, that uh, people that, uh, uh, when you identified yourself, they they might even know you by sight, and they'd, uh, uh, they'd never never really too much of a problem on that getting into properties. 
How about the industry? The industry? Did they ever give you any? No, they say, say some of the smaller, say the small store owners or any of that. They give you any, or small landlords, give you any trouble? No, no I, I can't uh, say that uh, any of them, any of them did. They, they didn't. They didn't always agree with the, the fact that uh, the way it was uh, probably had to pay business tax and. Uh, uh, but uh, but on the other hand, uh, we didn't make the the rules. I mean, the, 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 they were in, covered in the Ontario Assessment Act, and uh, they uh, if they they knew that uh, if everybody was treated the, uh, the same, well, there's no uh, uh, no not too much hassle on that. Yeah. Now, over the years, uh, you know the. Uh, the town itself would change and it'd be incorporated and then it was amalgamated with Etobicoke. Could you tell me some of the changes that would happen in the assessment department? Well, the, uh, of course, Neutron originally was part of the, uh, of the township of Etobicoke and then uh, the, the uh, uh, Mimico uh, was formed into a village, I think, in 1911. Now, there'd been a, the, the, the there'd been a, a settlement in there many years. That was one of the first areas uh, developed, principally, I suppose, because it was the, the railway, then later on the uh, electric railway, the old Toronto, uh, the radial line. And... Uh, that was a suburban uh, railway company, or what was it? Was yeah, the, no, it was Toronto and York radial. It ran from, uh, from uh, Sunnyside, right out to Port Credit, and uh, it was a uh, single line, but they had switches at, at, at various locations. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the electric, the uh, electric tr rail railway, you know, was going strong in 1900-1910, and really predated the, the, the car but uh, uh, this was, of course, if, if people were going to live someplace, they had to, had to get a means of getting to work. And uh, the, uh, uh, both uh, New Toronto and, uh, and also Mimico, the, de the early development seemed to come on the, on the north side of the highway. The, 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 uh, I've been associated with it, St. Margaret's Anglican Church for many years, and it it's on the uh, uh, fifth uh, on Sixth Street north of the uh, uh, north of the Lakeshore Road, and the uh, uh, Beth the Methodist Church, the forerunner to Century United. They uh, they first of all were on Birmingham Street in that area, and the, and the first school was uh, uh, in, in that uh, in that area. But as I say, New Toronto was incorporated as a village in 1913 and then made a town in 1920. And uh, of course, these were just names to me, but there were was a variety of uh, mayors. The village only has a reeve. I think a man named uh, George Ironside was the first uh, reeve of New Toronto. In 1913, that was an old, uh, 
and he'd been an old-time resident. And then a fellow named Lovejoy was the mayor in 1920. And after that, there was uh, there was a man named James. Uh, Ed James, who was a, a yardmaster, he was a mayor. And a fellow named uh, Tucker had been mayor, I think. And uh, another man, George, uh, uh, that was Sam Tucker and George Warner. Well, then, by the, when I time I started and uh, went to work for the town, that uh, uh, William Jackson, who lived in New Toronto but really was a, a farmer, he owned uh, extensive uh, farm holdings up in the in the Toby and uh, Toronto Township, you know, the forerunner to uh, Mississauga. And he was mayor for, I think, well, it must have been succession of years. He must have been almost 10 years. But I think it was one, it was one interval uh, 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 Stan Douglas, who had been a lawyer in New Toronto, he was made mayor in the middle 30s, but uh, uh, Jackson had been uh, he was mayor for many years. We had another uh, color, colorful individual by the name of uh, W. Edwards MacDonald, who was the, the Reeve of New Toronto. And uh, he was a very flamboyant, brilliant fellow. And uh, he'd, uh, he's one of the few, uh, he, he operated as a, as a uh, uh, notary public, a, Conveyancer, but he was uh, he was one of the few people in Ontario. I think there's only been two that was made a lawyer with uh, by a private act of parliament. And that was in the Hepburn and Hepburn regime. How would he arrange that? Is he good friends with Hepburn or? Well, I don't know, but he was a he was a, he was a, a, a first class uh, lawyer, and uh, uh, he 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 could go into I think he could go into small claim courts, but he couldn't go into criminal courts until he got his, got his ticket, his button gown. But uh, he, he was uh, very instrumental in bringing a lot of the industry. He was uh, uh, very, a very smart uh, man and uh, he, had, he didn't live in New Toronto, but he had his office in the Brown Building. So then we uh, uh, continued on I, into uh, uh, another lawyer after uh, Mr. Jackson had died. He died actually on a, uh, he'd been nominated one night and he uh, died overnight. And uh, uh, they had to have another, uh, they had to make, have another nomination meeting and uh, a man by the name of uh, E.W. Grant, Sandy Grant, who was a lawyer, he became mayor and held that office for some years. He'd been on the, he was chairman of the of the uh, Public Utilities Commission, and uh, he c continued until uh, uh, then. I think guess he was probably succeeded by. Uh, 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 Don Russell, who became, uh, who was a local druggist, and uh, 
Well, by that time, of course, uh, I I'd, uh, moved on in 1954 when the uh, the uh, metro was formed. The assessment then became a function of the metro government, and I uh, I, 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 I was assessed commissioner New Toronto, but then I I went with with metro, and they they formed the Lakeshore office, and I was looked after the assessment for the uh, three Lakeshore municipalities. Now, with that, it means the uh, you're taking over the assessment jobs of, of Mimico and Long Branch at the same time. Was, what sort of problems were there in, in that amalgamation of, a, of the three jobs? Well, there were, there was, what had happened in the, uh, before Metro was formed, they, they formed the uh, Greater Toronto Assessment Board and they, they, they upgraded the assessments uh, with a view of making them comparable to the uh, City of Toronto because there would always been a, a lot of uh, uh, argument. Uh, the assessment had often been a basis of the argument, you see, that uh, when you said earlier, you know, that there was no political interference. Uh, the uh, Back in the days when they were part of York, York County, it, uh, they, they, they had the share in the, uh, in the county debt. Well, it was often based on assessment. Well, uh, uh, perhaps some of the assessors and some of the, the uh, uh, county representatives who would be the mayor and the dep or the, not the mayor, but the, the reeve and the deputy reeve, that they like to keep their assessment low figuring they were going to avoid the, some of the county uh, levy. And uh, I don't know what this may have uh, to some extent accounted for some of the low levels of assessments in relation to the actual market value. But uh, the, uh, the uh, say the uh, uh, Greater uh, the Toronto Assessment Board, they did this reassessment in 52. Well then, when Metro was formed, we had to meld the the the, the assessments that had been returned by the uh, Greater Toronto Assessment Board in line with uh, the City of Toronto, who had been made by a, a fellow by the name of Alf Gray, who was pretty uh, uh, well known in assessment fields and who'd been City of Toronto Assessment Commissioner. So there was a little uh, 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 few problems associated with that. The different assessment levels. Yeah, yeah. Now what about the actual uh, mechanical collection of, of uh, assessing, the actual assessment? Were there any, were they, did they do it in a different way? Uh, did they build differently? Oh, no, they, uh, uh, the, the, we, we, we had to introduce, uh, to, to, we had to take all these uh, properties in the lakeshore and, and it, and uh, make the assessment uh, on the basis that had been used in the, in, in, in the uh, in really in the city of Toronto uh, under the so-called gray system. But uh, uh, it was uh, it was accomplished, I guess, with uh, the uh, minimal uh, 
amount of uh, upset. I don't think there were that many appeals. Of course, one of the one of the things that was in her favor in those days that that uh, perhaps uh, municipal uh, taxes didn't represent such a large percentage of the uh, individual's budget as maybe they do now. Certainly, with the, you know apartments and uh, and and industry that. Uh, over the years, it's got to be pretty, uh, pretty heavy, and that, that they've taken a lot closer look at what they were paying. And what about was there any sort of um, resentment by the the staff and uh, department heads of the assessment in uh, Mimico and uh, Long Branch? N no, as between uh, my my selection as opposed to theirs, yeah. No, the the, the chap in Mimico was. Uh, if he, I think he had retired, or if he hadn't, uh, but he was very helpful. And, and uh, uh, Long Branch had had a succession of assessment for, for assessors for different reasons, and uh, I think they were between between assessors at the time. So, but there was a, there was a, a lot of uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but there was some re resentment between the uh, uh, the suburban fellows and the and the and the city of Toronto. Types because uh, I mean we've been used to running our own show and uh, uh, it didn't uh, always sit too well to be getting uh, instructions from uh, the city hall and uh, uh, we thought we knew our job and uh, it's uh, probably more pronounced when the uh, the amalgamation in what 67 when. Neutron, when, when the uh, Lakeshore municipalities disappeared and they became once again part of Etobicoke because uh, there was a strong uh, community influence or feeling in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, particularly in Neutron and again the other parts of the, of the Lakeshore that they were, they didn't like losing their identity. How did that work out with the, uh, particularly with the, say the the staff of the uh, the assessment office and other other departments in yeah well of course we didn't in, we weren't involved assessments weren't involved but the the uh, uh, other uh, like the clerks and the, and the treasurers of, of the lakeshore places had to be fitted into the uh, hierarchy at Etobicoke. but see New Toronto had a, a Pretty high level of, uh, of uh, service because they, there was so much industrial as assessment that uh, the 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 average householder was kind of shielded from the impact of uh, you know the, the, let's face it the 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 industry were carrying the load and uh, the uh, uh, they'd had uh, good fire to protection and the, the streets were promptly cleared because they had lots of equipment and the good garbage collection and the streets were uh, kept uh, clean so uh, the uh, going back a little bit to that really uh, New Toronto lost to my mind anyways they lost the handle when the uh, when the uh, uh, when the lake shore you see uh, I don't know just what time terms of, uh, I guess the end of the 40s, they formed the Lakeshore Board of Education. 
and then uh, uh, Mimico and Long Branch, uh, who had never had the benefit of those industrial assessments to help with their school taxes, they suddenly started to share in it. And uh, the, uh, when you when you, you you spread the pie, cut the pie a little uh, smaller. Well, uh, uh, it uh, it didn't uh, didn't help the neutron rate payers. I, I'm going to editorialize, but uh, it, yeah, the you know I mean the the uh, the uh, it seemed to me that neutron had lost uh, lost the initiative when uh, that when they uh, they should have never got involved with the Lakeshore. Uh, uh, well, they'd uh, as I say they'd lost the initiative if they'd have uh, said sure uh, let, let's amalgamate the school boards, but let's amalgamate the whole thing. And uh, but there's all oh, there was always arguments about what the place would be called and and uh, things that with somebody with a you know they, they, with little foresight they. Mimico had the Mimico had the oldest met name, and uh, I suppose for industrial reasons they called it New Toronto because it just identified Toronto, and yet people with uh, industry would like an address that indicated that it was near Toronto. Now, the uh, what were the problems with them amalgamating uh, the assessments with Etobicoke when the, all the the different little towns and villages all became the borough of Etobicoke. Oh, well, no, there wasn't any, there wasn't really any problem then because, I mean, they were all part of Metro and they'd all been done on the same system. So that, that, that didn't really present any, any, any problem. It was, it was their just internal problems of, of uh, you know, they had to uh, amalgamate the fire departments and, uh, uh, and of course, police had become a, a metro operation by that time. Now, uh, you became the uh, chief assessment officer, I guess you would call, call it, for the for the borough when every, when it became amalgamated. The uh, yes, uh, well, I, uh, as I said earlier, when when I was assessed, when metro was formed, I first of all was in charge of uh, the lakeshore, and then after uh, oh, less than two years, they amalgamated uh, the uh, Lakeshore and Etobicoke into the West Office. There was this would be 1956? 56 area, yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a, I had a sub-office in New Toronto and then the main office was in Etobicoke. Where that would be, Islington that would be located at? Uh, at that point, um, it would be, uh, uh, they moved to uh, the the borough building was opened. The, the present uh, borough building was opened in uh, I think in 1958, and uh, uh, I might have been at the uh, the old office on Dundas Street for a matter of a few months, but uh, that's uh, that's where uh, that's all it would be. Where were the uh, new Toronto offices located? Well, when I was, uh, I started to, to uh, as I said, at the uh, we were in the town office was in the uh, uh, Brown Building, which had been built by the J. F. Brown, uh, the brass uh, of the brass company, and it, it was a it was a beautiful building, and 
the town where tenants in the uh, well they were on took most of the building the police were in the basement and the uh, town hall or the offices were on the main floor and upstairs was the uh, the uh, council chamber it also served as the the magistrate's court and then uh, in the uh, later on in the in the uh, well in the 40s they, they, they continued there unfortunately they never they never bought it and then uh, in the uh, later on in the f later 40s there was a fire at the old fifth street school and the, almost the the thing was pretty well gutted and they well, there were many su suggestions what would what would happen to it, but they uh, finally uh, it was uh, taken over as the uh, the town office. Now, what what year did that uh, school burn down? That would be around 1950, I'd say. Now, where was the uh, the Maybe brown? 48. Yeah. Where was the brown building located? The brown building was at uh, the southwest corner of the Lakeshore Road and the. Uh, and the uh, uh, number two high, you know, uh, Lakeshore Boulevard. It's since been uh, uh, torn down. It's got stores, and but the uh, it was a it, it had some uh, uh, beautiful uh, work in it. The the uh, the, uh, the uh, main hall was uh, or the uh, was made out of a, a Italian marble on the floor and uh, some uh, fine uh, you know uh, uh, examples of uh, building I don't I, I don't I, I don't know who was the builder whether uh, that uh, that fellow that, that I mentioned uh, Lovejoy was a, uh, a builder too and he, he, that building might have been uh, and there was a room upstairs that had been Mr. Brown's own office, which later on got the name of the Blue Room, and uh, it was uh, sort of an executive uh, council to have their uh, private sessions in there. And uh, uh, but from a point of view of a, of a money maker, it was the halls were it, it was ideal for a town hall. And uh, of course, back in the Depression, the uh, when there were so many unemployed, the main form of entertainment seemed to be the uh, council meetings, and they'd be uh, literally hanging on their rafters there uh, at a council meeting. Would there be a lot of controversy? Oh, well, there'd be a lot of controversy about uh, uh, unemployment benefits or what. But uh, they got pretty, uh, they got pretty, uh, got pretty, uh, got pretty noisy from time to time, and. Uh, the, uh, I remember one day there had been an afternoon meeting and uh, uh, there was a, a fellow on the council by the name of Shelley, who uh, he was an Englishman but had been in New Toronto and the uh, uh, first thing I knew here is that Shelley being his uh, help downstairs with a bloody nose, somebody taking a poke at him up in the, in the council chambers. Yeah, they got that, that controversial. Got <laughs> that. <laughs> Controversial, yeah. What are some of the some of the major issues of that time? Other, there was unemployment, obviously. Well, the rest, the uh, I, 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 
what the 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 issues would be. I don't. Know, I guess they could make an issue out of almost anything. Whether they were going to cut down the the uh, the, the the benefits or uh, the uh, 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 that would uh, that would be the the only thing I, I think that would do. But of course, people were were idle and they were uh, they got they they were not idle but they got involved with the they got involved with the day-to-day operations and there would be maybe two camps too that one on one side of the fence and one on the other now you worked for the um, for the police for a while as a as a part-time clerk yeah uh, uh, tell tell me a bit about the uh, the police department then while you were working there how big it was well there were about uh, I guess it'd be about five on the staff. As I said, there was uh, Hedley Paget was the uh, was the chief, and uh, there was a man named Weatherup, uh, Bob Weatherup, who was well known in the Lake Shore. He later on became chief, and the uh, the. Uh, About, but there'd be about five on the on the staff. Of course, what you see that in New Toronto there was quite a, a, a population of Polish and Ukrainian people, and they were hard workers. And the, coming from where they they did, they were used used to being able to have a to have a little alcoholic. Refreshments, you know, and uh, they uh, uh, in those days uh, of the tail end of the prohibition, there was uh, there was uh, uh, some bootlegging operations that uh, that, uh, that the police used to occasionally uh, raid, and but uh, perhaps more often they winked their eye at, and the thing had carried on, but. Uh, uh, these, uh, these, uh, as I said, that that the, they were they were they were good people and uh, hardworking and uh, you know they became, uh, as I say, they came. They many of them uh, later on uh, bought their had their own property, bought their own house in New Toronto, and some of our main citizens now, but. Uh, the, uh, so they, what would they spend most of their time working on? What sort of cases would it be? Species? Oh well, of course, one of their main uh, uh, op occupations in those days was uh, uh, they, they uh, catching the speeders going through. When you try it was uh, it, it got a bad reputation during the th uh, the 30s for uh, they had a uh, uh, couple of a uh, couple of motorcycle uh, policemen and they. They'd uh, let, uh, and the, that was uh, that was the main road, of course. That any uh, any visitors from the U.S. Uh, would would have to come through O Number Two Highway, mm -hmm. and uh, New Toronto and Mimico got a, kind of a, an unsavory reputation, in my view, anyways, of, of catching the, the speeders, and uh, then they'd uh, haul them into the bring them over to the court and or bring them over to the office, and then they'd. Uh, Get the local JP to to uh, hear the complaint, and then they'd say, "Well, you know, the uh, court's going to be uh, two weeks, uh, three weeks 
from today, you know, but the, you put up a bond for uh, uh, so many dollars, the amount of the fine. Well, obviously, people who were on holidays from New York State or Michigan, they're not going <laughs> to, they're not coming back for, for a fine. Yeah, something we've heard about uh, now, like they do in uh, in parts of Georgia and, and there, where they 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 take you in and then you you you, you post a, 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 the fine, you post a bond or a, 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 in lieu of the fine, and then if you don't show, of course, the the, the fine is uh, taken for for the fine. Thanks for listening to the Etobicoke Historical Society's Oral History Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and like. If you wish to learn more about the work of our society, be sure to visit www.etobicokehistorical.com. See you next month!